What's up, fam? Welcome back to the Will That's Go podcast. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope y'all are having a great week. It is about to get better because I have two very special guests on the podcast, and I can't wait to get to know their story more because I'm going to ask them some fun questions. Maybe they're not used to answering. So without further ado, welcome Louie and Shelly Giglio to the podcast. Hello. Hey, 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 what's up, so everybody? Good so here. good to be here. Totally a treat. I'm so excited to have y'all on the podcast. Um, you know, I, I do always ask everybody, what's the best piece of advice they've ever been given? And I don't want y'all to miss out on a chance to answer that if y'all prepared for that. Um, but also, I would love to hear some good marriage advice from the two of y'all, if y'all have any uh, tricks up your sleeve, if you will. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. What is good marriage advice, Louie? You surely have I think the best marriage advice that you can give to anybody is marry the right person. That's good. And that, you know, a lot of times people are already down the road going, hey, we need some help. We need some marriage advice. Can you give us some good advice? And it's like, ah, you married the wrong person. So it's going to be hard for me to give you advice at this point. And I know that sounds fatal, but just make sure that you're listening to God, that you're listening to your family that you're listening to the circle, the spiritual influencers around you, and you're listening to the people who love you enough to tell you the truth. And that's going to help you make a decision to marry the right person. And I think starting by marrying the right person is the biggest step that you can make towards obviously having a marriage that lasts. And I know for Shelly and me, you know, one of the things that we didn't honestly know that we did, but that we by God's grace did was that we, we married complete opposites <laughs> and um, Shelly's, you know, over here and I'm over here and somehow the beauty of our different strengths um, has really allowed us, I think, to have an incredible, uh, incredible life together. And I always say to people, you know, I'm a good starter. Shelly is a phenomenal finisher. I'm an idea guy. Shelly is a let's figure out how to get it done person. And without her, I would have just been sitting on a big pile of great ideas all my life. And I think without me, she might not have gone on quite as many uh, roller coaster rides as she wanted to. <laughs> yeah, less adventures. It's good. I would say too, just I think when when Louis saying just about you know strengths being a complement instead of a, something to fight against. Yeah. And I think sometimes when you look at somebody that's different or opposite than you, especially in a marriage where everything is scrutinized and you're very up close to the person all day, every day, and every minute of your life is kind of um, under a microscope a little bit. I think it's important to start seeing the differences between you as complementary, hmm. complementary instead of as competition. It's good. So you're way better or my way better. Is it better to do it this way or is it better to do it my yeah, way? That's great. Well, my way is always going to be better because it's my way. <laughs> instead, I think what we did well, if we've done anything well, is to start leaning toward maybe your way has something to that's a complement to my way. And maybe actually your timing, although it's later than mine and it's different than mine, could be actually something that's helpful to me. And I think as I lean that direction, what I learned is there's usually a middle ground in there somewhere where God really longs for us to live. And it's not necessarily our way and in our timing and the way we want it. It's actually something more toward the center of the both of us. And I think for us, we've done a good job trying not to be so determined and set in our own ways that we miss the opportunity to live in the better way. 
So that's a lifelong goal. We'll be working at it forever, but it has definitely made a big difference. Oh gosh, I love that. That is such good advice. What a great start to this conversation. And um, y'all just had an anniversary, right? Was it 30, how many years? Seven. 37. I was about to say 37. I was like, could they be old enough to be married for 37 years? That is. And we dated for three years before that. So totally, it's 40 years of life together. And that's a marker. I'm telling you, that's, you know, 40 is an uh, important number in the economy of the kingdom. And to think that we've been dating slash married for four decades. uh, Wow. Wow. That's I had to go back word. and check how old I was to make sure that was possible. Well, that's why when I was about Funny. to say it, I was like, I don't know if that's possible, but that's awesome. That is so cool. And y'all's like, you know, Shelly looks too young for that. Hey, that's what I was thinking. That is exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> no. That's why I didn't say it. No. I didn't want to hit y'all with the 40 years yeah, and y'all try. say, what in the world? We're not that old. But um, <laughs> no, y'all, y'all's life is such a good example. And I love that advice too, just marrying the right person, because I do think that Sometimes people get so desperate to just be married just for the sake of being married that they forget, oh, um, it's not just having a ring on your finger and this picture of marriage. Like You're actually um, becoming one with another person and you're about to do your whole life together and that's who you're going to have your kids with and all the things. And it's just, it's a huge deal. It's besides making a decision to follow Jesus, it is the second biggest decision, you know, you're going to make. And so I I love that you said that. It's such good advice. And as far as your differences, I mean, y'all know me and Christian are are like so different too. And I think that's one reason we learn a lot from y'all and love to be under y'all because we see a lot of ourselves in y'all that we are so different, but seeing those things and how they complement each other is very beautiful. Um, We spoke to our youth group the other night and it was pretty funny because, uh, you know, they're asking us questions and even in our answers, it's just so different. And I'm kind of one of those people that I'm answering it and like, it's always going to have like a good spin. It's always going to be pretty positive. You know, it's going to be encouraging. I'm going to probably be smiling when I say it. And Christian is so straight up and straightforward. And so he's answering these questions and I'm looking at him and I was like shaking my head like, wow, like that is so intense, like the way he was saying it. And he looked at me, he said, are you shaking your head? (laughs) And I was like, yes. I was like, but not because I don't agree. I'm kind of with you, not at you. I was like, I'm I'm with you. I'm just like, wow, this is intense. And uh, it was just so funny. And everybody was laughing. I said, I know I'm a pretty expressive person. But what was really cool is I was seeing how powerful it was that we were getting to reach like all the different kids in the room because some were like me and some Mm -hmm. are like him. And the, the guys, when he would talk, were just leaning in, you know, they were listening to every word he was saying. And then when Mm -hmm. I was talking, the girls were leaning in and we just got to kind of play off of each other's strengths and our differences. And I don't know, we were so encouraged leaving there about how different we were and how good it is that we're a team. So I love that y'all said that. That's so good. Um, So take us back 40 years ago. How did the two of y'all meet? <laughs> wow, man, that take us back forty years ago. Let's know, just start with that. Remember? What kind of world was it? Um, I posted a picture, Sadie, of us coming out from our wedding to get in the limousine to go to dinner, and we had changed into our going away outfits. And this was long before you had weddings that started, you know, at six o'clock and lasted till midnight. We got married in the afternoon, so it's blazing hot Houston, Texas. And 
here we come and it's a freeze frame. And I'm just like, what generation did we get married in? <laughs> I mean, a, a my dad's in the photo. My dad uh, passed away a long time ago. Shelly's dad is uh, right near my dad in the mm. photo. Shelly's dad went to heaven earlier this year. Shelly's grandmother, who's been gone for a long time, was next to her dad in the picture. One of the guys on my board, who's still one of my best friends, was in the picture. And I was, but the way it all looked, it looked like you were watching Leave It to Beaver or something <laughs> like that. I mean, I was like, how old are we? It's crazy. But it was the summer of 1986 when we got married. It was the summer of 1983 when we met. And I'll let Shelly tell the story. But I went to Houston, Texas from Fort Worth, where I was in grad school, to be the summer college intern at Shelly's church. And hello, Shelly was in the college ministry that I was going to be the college intern for. It all happened at the last second. So I know it was the Lord. I was not planning on taking that job for the summer. They already had a college intern. That person flaked out at the last minute. And one of my friends in seminary in Fort Worth said, hey, I'm going to be the high school intern at this church. They need a college intern. It's an amazing church. Why don't you come with me for orientation weekend today? And I was like, uh, I don't know anything about Houston, Texas, and I don't know what I'm going to do this summer. But I ended up going with her, and um, I ended up falling in love with the church. And Shelly says that the first time that first weekend, they were having a concert that weekend. She was there with her boyfriend, and they were <laughs> about to enjoy the concert when this New kid comes rolling in from Atlanta, Georgia via Fort Worth, Texas. Wow. Yeah, I'd never seen anybody look like Louie in my life. <laughs> he uh, he came walking across the auditorium and I said to my friend, I was sitting next to my boyfriend on one side and my friend was on the other. And I said to my friend, fortunately not to my boyfriend, hey, uh, who is that? Oh and she gosh. said, I think he's the summer college intern. And I said, I have never seen anyone in my life that looks like that. And, you know, we know Louie is Louie now. But in the moment, I was like, who? It looks like he dropped down from Mars. He had on some interesting clothes, things I'd never seen guys from Texas wear. He had on. I didn't really have any Wranglers and Ropers no, in he that didn't whole look situation he didn't going. Look I had some clothes I got at the go round, if anybody knows what that is, at the, the mall. That, you're going to have to go Google that to find that out. But that's probably where my outfit <laughs> had come from. So awesome. I don't know. Anyway, he looked completely different than anyone I'd ever seen before. And there was just some immediacy to my interest. I literally was like, I don't know him. I don't know what the story is. I obviously don't need someone else to date. There's someone sitting next to me to date. <laughs> but I just was curious. Like, I, I don't, I'm interested. I want to know more about him. And we met later that night, I think. Um, and we met a few days later. Yeah, it was and, a few days um, later. Shelly, as soon as we met, I said something to her. She gave me this really smart response, like, <laughs> "Woo!" And I was like, okay, girl's got some spark, you know, That's and awesome. a little bit of spunk. And I liked a that, you know, I was immediately attracted to her because of that. But here's the thing, Sadie, and I've told this story a couple of times, but the year before there had been, uh, let's just say some things that happened among the interns that weren't great. So the pastor called all the interns in the first week into this big conference room. And there were like 15 or 20 interns that summer mm -hmm. has us all around this big table. Now, let's pause for me. Shelly has boyfriend. I don't have a girlfriend. I haven't dated my entire first year at seminary. I'm not interested in dating. I'm not looking for a girl. I just want Jesus. Uh, isn't that great? <laughs> and um, so that's where I am. And we're sitting around this big table. He goes, guys, um, you know, I love you. So glad you're here. But we had some things happen last year. And as a result of that, here's the ground rules. You can't date anybody, not in your age group, 
So that for me, you can't date anybody in the college ministry. You can't date anybody at this church because we just want to focus on our ministry and we want to set a great example. And I leaned in. Oh, but then he said, but I don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. So if God moves, you come and talk to me. And uh, (laughs) I leaned over to the girl who'd got me into this job. Uh, and I said, oh, I'm sure I'll be down in his office in two weeks. You know, ha, ha, ha. I am not interested in dating anybody. Well, two weeks later, I'm sitting in the pastor's office. No way. <laughs> and I say to him, well, uh, Pastor Shook. And he goes, well, let me see. I think her name is Shelly Graves. And I was like, how do you know? Wow. And um and he and Shelly was, you know, a leader in the church and a leader in the youth group and now leader in the college group. And I don't know, somehow worded, got out quick that, you know, that I was interested in her. And he said, she's a great girl. She comes from such an amazing family. And uh, just make sure you keep the focus on Jesus and, you know, do everything right. So we did. And uh, we started hanging out a little bit. Um and then Shelly's dad put the quietus on the whole relationship because I was 25 and she was 18 and I was mm-hmm. in grad school and she was a sophomore in college. And he was like, nope, this mm-hmm. is not going to happen. <laughs> but then Shelly persuaded him. I did. And he had a change of heart. Yeah. He gave the kid a chance. <laughs> and the rest uh, is history. That's pretty much true. That is incredible. Honestly, I've known y'all for a while. I actually did not know that whole story. And so that was that is hilarious that one, when you showed up, you were sitting by your boyfriend and turned to your other friend. I just love that. And then I just love that you're like, yeah, I'll God be there bless in two him weeks. wherever he is today. Gosh, there's so much, so many good things and funny things about that story. That's so awesome. So I had to say, so y'all obviously both were attracted to each other. There is an interest from both of y'all. But when you talk about marrying the right person, um, when was it that you knew like, okay, this is the right person for me. Uh, other people might say this is the one for me or however they say it, because I think that sometimes, you know, that is a wrestle. And I would hate for people to overthink, is it the, the right one when it clearly is? Or, you know, right. not question that when it's clearly not. And so how do you kind of look at your relationship and come to that confidence to know this is is the right person for me to marry. Well, I, I know for me, I think Shelly agrees. You know, we got married going back to that moment right before we walked out of that church in that photo. By the way, we got into the limousine, and this was, you know, 40 <laughs> years ago before this was kind of a thing, and it's full of balloons, I think. We get in, and we take off from the church, and we're going down the road, and it turns out there's a high school kid from the high school ministry under all the balloons. So he kind of pops up out of the balloons, and no. he's in the limo with us. And so we got we got to turn around. We got to go back. We got to get him out of the car. But then some other cars follow us, and we're not going very far, and we're going to dinner. And so I'm we're on the freeway, and I'm looking around at the cars, and I'm like, you know, who are they? Are we losing them? Well, it's literally 105 degrees outside, and I get car sick really easy, and it, car sickness comes on really fast, no. and all of a sudden I went, oh, no, I'm car sick. We get to the restaurant. I am just sweating, 
and I we get to the table. I'm trying to hold it together, and I say, "Babe, I gotta go to the bathroom." <laughs> so I go in the bathroom. I take my jacket off, my shirt and tie off. I'm just sweating. I'm trying not to throw up. I sit down on the floor where the air vent is, and I'm just oh leaning gosh. up the wall by the air vent, blowing them. Here, guys coming in and out of the bathroom. Super nice restaurant <laughs> in Houston, and I'm just on the floor like I'm good. I'm okay. Don't worry. I'm good. Like 20 minutes later, I come back to the table, and I'm like, I don't think I can eat anything. So that's how our relationship started. It was pretty <laughs> awesome how our marriage started. That's hilarious. Uh, when I got to Houston, I was living with families for that whole summer. So I would live with a family for a week and they'd be kind enough to take me in or maybe a family was on vacation and they'd let me stay at their house and house sit. And I did that all summer long. And the first family that I stayed with, um, they didn't have kids uh, at home. So it was just me and mom and dad. And maybe the second night I was there, we're sitting in the den. We've already had all the small talk you can have. And we're just sitting there. And I'm like, here's some kid from Atlanta by way of Fort Worth. And I'm at you know their house sitting in their den. And we're going to be here for a while. And the doorbell rings. And the, the Mrs. Hammer gets up and goes to the door. And I hear a commotion out on the front porch. And she says, Louie, they're, um, they're asking if you're home. They're asking for you. So I get up, go over to the um, foyer, and there's about 10 college students standing on the front porch. And they're like, hey, you're the new summer college intern. I'm like, I am. And they're like, do you mind if we come in? I was like, no, come on in, Mrs. Hammer. Do you mind if 10 college kids come in? She's like, no, come in. They come in. They don't even go in the house. They sit on the stairs that go up to the landing and then on up to the little walkway that you know most normal Houston houses have at that time. And they say, hey, we just want to come by tonight and meet you. And we wanted to come by and just have a small chat. We have all been at Baylor together uh, for this past year, and we have had our lives revolutionized by Jesus. And we have been learning about who we are in Christ. We've been learning about our new identity in Christ. We have we have had revival this year at school. And we just needed to come and ask you, like, what are your plans for the summer? And do you know about our new identity in Christ? And can you teach us more about our new identity in Christ? Because we're not really interested in going to the lake. We're not really interested in going water skiing. We're not really interested in having a cookout. We just want to know more about our new identity in Christ. And we want to grow deeper with the Lord. Can you help us do that this summer? Wow. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I do know a lot about our new identity in Christ because I just had that revival myself two years ago in college when I was in Atlanta. And I totally want this thing to be all about Jesus. And I wasn't sure, am I coming here to like, you know, create a social calendar or yeah. to lead people into a new and vibrant place in their walk with God? Well, mm-hmm. sitting right in the middle of those 10 kids was this girl right here. Wow. And I could just see it on her face. I want to know Jesus more. And so we just started, Sadie, into like the slipstream of hunger for God. And we would say to each other, I know it sounds, you know, kind of corny, but we would say to each other that summer a lot, I love you, but not as much as I love Jesus. Uh, Jesus is first. Jesus is first. And that became sort of the banner over our relationship. And we just ride in the car that summer, sunroof on my old Toyota Corolla with the crank sunroof open uh, with early CCM music. And we would just sing at the top of our lungs because we were in love with God. That's so cool. He was definitely our priority from the get-go. He was what we wanted. And I think a lot of times people are looking for what they think they want, but they're not actually looking for the person that they need the most, which is Jesus. And, 
You know, I laugh when people say to me in relationships, well, you know, I didn't meet the person I was going to marry until I really fell in love with Jesus. And I'm like, doesn't that make sense though? Yeah. Yeah. Because the person you're looking for and want to be really in covenant with as far as marriage goes, is somebody who's leaning in that same direction. And so when Louis started and he said, you know what, the most important thing is who you marry. It makes total sense because you don't want to be in a covenant with somebody who's pulling in the other direction from where you really feel like your life is headed. And uh, so for us, it was it. We did love each other and we were very attracted to each other and we knew we wanted to spend our lives together. But we really, really, really wanted Jesus, both of us as the priority. And as a result, I think the relationship between us could move together in alignment toward God. And we didn't have to fight who's, you know, whose wheel is stronger and how is it going to work? But we just knew together that we were going to make a move toward God. And um, it's it's been true ever since. That's our highest value still. Um, 37 years in, that's what we care about most. He's the person we love the most still. I love Louis more every day, literally every day. I love him more, but I will never love him like I love Jesus. And he knows that and he's good with it. And I think that kind of makes the difference in what our relationship feels like. Yeah. While we're throwing it back, Sadie, and then I'll, we'll move off of this. But uh, there was a band in the day called Feral and Feral. So if they're out there still, <laughs> we love you. Shout um, out. You made it out of the... Shout out of the out. Feral and feral. dark ages into the modern world. That's we all right. made it together. <laughs> they had a song called Having Jesus for My First Love. Yeah. Hmm. So maybe somebody's going to go search that on Spotify right now. If it's on there, they put it on there from a cassette tape. <laughs> uh, and we would sing that song at the top of Truth. our wow. lungs. Having Jesus for my first love makes the darkest day shine. That's the <laughs> only lyrics I remember now. <laughs> But it really, so back to the kid in the car and me getting sick and having to sit on the floor in the bathroom. Before we ran out that door in our going away clothes to the uh, Rainbow Lodge, uh, we we knew one thing and that was it. We didn't know what our future was really about. Wow. We didn't know what our jobs were going to be. We didn't know what our career path looked like. We just knew standing on that altar, we want to make Jesus known in our generation. Wow. And that's all we knew. And I think, you know, I know everyone listening to us today is at different places on their faith journey, but I really do believe that purpose is the key mm. to successful marriage. And it can't be her purpose and his purpose or my purpose and your purpose. At some point there has to be our purpose. That's great. And lots of different things can fold into that. Different career moves, jobs, seasons, family can fold into that. But the per what is your purpose? Why are you getting married? And if it isn't because the two of us can more uh, can can more powerfully make the name of Jesus known than the together than the two of us separate, then not really sure. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, that is so good. I just want to encourage those who are listening, like, go back and listen to what they said again. And I'm going to pull out a few things that y'all said that I thought were just extremely powerful. Um, Shelly, you said you don't want to be in covenant with someone that's going in the opposite direction. And I just like mm. want to say that again and make sure that everyone heard that because that mm. was a really big deal, you know. And then you go on to say, 
we just knew like coming together and aligning together, we wanted to make Jesus known. And you look at two people who had this purpose in their marriage to make Jesus known and look at them 40 years later, what they've done for a generation. And if you're sitting here listening and you're 18 to 25, um, or you were once 18 to 25 and have been to Passion Conference, or you've gone to Passion Church, or you've had any thing to do with the things that these two have put out and their churches put out, then you know how powerful it is when two people come together in alignment with wanting to make Jesus known. And of course, not every couple um, has to go start a church or go start a conference and touch people in the way that they have, but what a powerful thing and impact that they've made on so many lives, including my life, um, my family's life, so many of my friends' lives. And that's what happens whenever two people come together in alignment for the same goal, to make Jesus known. I think that is um, just so good. And Louie, I love how you said when we stood on the altar that day, we didn't know anything about anything about our future or what was going to happen or what next, but we knew this. And that really is the most important thing that you can know. And I think a lot of people get so stressed out about the what, where, who, how, this, that. But if you can just be confident on your purpose and what that looks like and that this is what we're going to do and it can be as simple and yet as powerful as making Jesus known, that should be all of our purpose, uh, man, that'll lead you and guide you in and of itself. And so that was just so good. Everything you laid out, I just feel like that's going to be so helpful for people. So since I mentioned passion, I do want to ask y'all, when did that come into the picture of y'all's relationship? Was that something that was always on both of your hearts? Who kind of threw it out there, if y'all even remember? (laughs) And how did y'all even get started with something as big of a vision as passion? If y'all even remember (laughs) the dinosaurs, do you remember? No, I'm like, I don't know. I love it Sometimes even I'm like, who said that? Did you say that? Did I say that? The story gets a little fuzzy. (laughs) I love it. It does, for sure. I think for us, you know, the story of our life, and I think if there's a young couple or some people who are on the way to getting married or you're just married, you know, having plans is awesome. And I think, you know, there's nothing against planning, but it's very rare that you see um, God give us chapters and chapters of our life story at one time. God gives us a promise that he's going to be in every page of our story. And for Shelly and me, the beauty about passion is we didn't see it coming. The beauty of the ministry we had at Baylor University for 10 years with college students before passion, we didn't see that coming. And me going to that internship, I didn't see that coming. And obviously she didn't because she's got, you know, six foot eight basketball player or six foot (laughs) 10 or whatever he was uh, sitting over here, you know, next to her. So we, we, we start dating. I graduate seminary. Shelly's still at Baylor. I go to Baylor, but I do this summer internship, Sadie, not that one year, but I did it also the next year and the next year. So I was like the permanent summer college intern. And by that third year, I'd moved to a different church in Houston because Shelly's family had moved to a different part of town. And there was a girl in our college ministry who loved God. She was a tridelt at Baylor. She uh, was just full of Jesus and full yeah. of faith. And she was a freshman that year at Baylor going into her sophomore year. We went to our end of the summer college retreat um, on whatever that river is in central Texas. It was in Wimberley, Texas. In Wimberley, Texas yeah. at this wonderful family's house that they let these college kids come to for the last hoorah of the summer. And Kay knows that I'm coming to Baylor to grad school the next, the next few days. And she looks at me across the table at the end of lunch and she said, Louie, 
you know God is bringing you to Baylor for a reason. And Sadie, when the words came out of her mouth, I just was arrested by the clarity that, yes, Shelly and I had been dating for these couple of years now. I'd spent a lot of weekends at Baylor, sleeping on guys' couches and sleeping on guys' floors and going to church and Sunday school with Shelly and going to all the places that college kids go to and going to the football games and doing all the stuff and walking on the campus. But so I knew Baylor. I knew these kids from the summer and I knew them in their real life. I saw them at summer college intern zone and I saw them on a, oh, now it's school zone and you're <laughs> over here acting crazy. Um, I could, I had seen it all and I knew Baylor needed Jesus. Baylor's a great school, by the way, has, has a great history. But in this moment in time, I would say Baylor was full of religion and needed a lot more of Jesus. Yeah. And, when she said the sentence, God's bringing you to Baylor for a reason, I went, oh, wow, this whole thing, me, Shelly, me coming to Baylor, me going to grad school, me getting a degree in the church state studies department or pursuing a degree in the church state studies department. Wow. And so we started praying and us, Kay, and a handful of other students. And a month or so later, we started a Bible study in an apartment clubhouse on the campus of Baylor, and 10 years later, 1,500 college students were showing up wow. every Monday night, and we had seen the spiritual climate and landscape yeah. of Baylor change in a decade just by saying yes, and long, long story short, but most of that time, my dad was disabled. He'd become disabled seven years into our 10 years at Baylor, or three years into our 10 years, and my mom was taking care of him here in Atlanta. My dad became physically and mentally disabled because of a brain virus overnight. And uh, we've been asking God, we need to go help mom. We need to go help mom. Mom is, we're losing mom. Dad's doing okay, but we're losing mom. And we just kept getting the no, stay where you are, stay where you are, stay where you are. I'll take care of dad. But then finally we got a yes. And at the end of 10 years, we said goodbye to, to Choice Bible Study, goodbye to Baylor, goodbye to our team prepared at the end of the spring semester to transition, move to Atlanta just to help take care of my dad. And Sadie, on the Monday that was going to be our final Monday night Bible study after 10 years, thank you, Louie and Shelley. Our whole board came back. A lot of former students came back. May 1st, 1995, Monday night, they had that celebration, but we weren't at it because we buried my father that same day mm. in Atlanta, Georgia. Wow. My dad died of a heart attack on Friday. And we buried him that Monday, and Shelly and I looked at each other. I was just crushed. We were brokenhearted, losing my dad. But we were like, what have we done? <laughs> we just left our whole lives behind wow. to come to Atlanta for a purpose that doesn't exist anymore, but we feel like we're supposed to keep coming to Atlanta. Wow. So we did, and we moved to Atlanta. No job, no purpose, no nothing, no income. And I was flying to speak in Dallas, Texas about, a month and a half later, sitting on a plane, reading a magazine, and I don't know what happened, but I went away somewhere, and I saw a picture, and the picture that I saw absolutely took my breath away, and it was more college students than I had ever seen before in one place or could count, and they were on their faces on the ground praying for spiritual awakening in their generation, and then all of a sudden, I was back in my seat looking at this magazine ad, and... I was like, oh, what was that? 
And I didn't say anything to Shelly for about two weeks. I was so stunned by it. And I was thinking, this is something God is pushing us to, but I don't know what it is or where it is or how to get to it. And finally, a couple of weeks later, I said to Shelly, babe, I had this picture flying on the plane the other day. And I think it's something that we're supposed to go toward. And I described it all to her and Shelly's person of faith. And she just said, let's trust God and let's move toward it. And that was 27 or eight, I don't know, years ago. And here we are still on our way to passion. Wow. That's so powerful. I love that. That let's move toward it. Cause sometimes I think that we see this vision or we have this thing and we're like, how do we, how do we make it happen? You know, and that feels really overwhelming because how do you go from where you're at to, to that? Right. But I love that. Just let's move toward, let's move towards it. And one step at a time, how are we going to get there? But to speak to what happened and the timing of your dad and all of that, that's so hard, but I was preaching this message recently and I had this analogy in it that I think is um, really special. God was kind of showing me this through honey the other day. And, you know, you you just start to see God and everything when you have the eyes to see it. And I was putting honey down for a nap. We had just gotten to Florida and um, she was so excited because Florida to her is her grandma's house. Okay. It's not the state it is Cherie and Chandler's house. That is Florida. And so she was like, we in Florida when we got there and she was so excited. And then it was nap time. And I was like, we gotta go take a nap. And she was like, so like, what? Like, no, like we're in Florida. She did not want to take a nap. She's crying. And of course, also when you're in a new place, putting a kid down for a nap is even worse than at home because they're in a place they don't know, they don't recognize. So I'm putting Honey in her little sleep sack and I'm getting her lammy and bringing her in the bathroom where the pack and play was. So a little bit scary and shut the door, turn off the lights. And um, I just stood outside of the door because I knew she was probably going to be upset because this is not a place that she's used to. And so she starts crying and she's crying, crying. And she starts going, mommy, mommy, come get me, come get me, mommy. And I'm just kind of sitting there and I had this thought like, why am I not just getting her right like why am I not just going in there and getting her and I was like because like I know this is where she's supposed to be and I know that even though it feels crazy and it doesn't feel right like she's supposed to be in Florida she's supposed to be playing with her grandparents like this is an important time for her to take a nap because later we're gonna go play and we're gonna go out to dinner and she's gonna have so much more strength later whenever um she wakes up but but she has to be here right now and so as a good mom I didn't go in there and get her because I knew that's the place she needed to be. And I thought about that as the perspective of God. Like sometimes we're in places that we're like, why would I be here, God? Like I'm supposed to be in Florida. Like this is supposed to be fun. This is, this was the purpose I came here for. Why am I taking a nap? And the whole message is like, what if you're not stuck in that place? What if that's not, you know, such a bad thing that you're there, but what if you're actually positioned there uh, for a reason? And there's something in that place that feels scary, that feels even and wrong that feels purposeless that God is doing internally in you, strengthening you, reviving you uh, for what's to come later. And so hearing your story is really amazing in the sense of, yes, that's so horrible and it's sad and why did this happen? But you were positioned in Atlanta, you know, y'all are positioned in that place to get that vision and to move wow. towards something. And what he was doing in so you good. then was giving you strength for later. And so yeah. just I've had that on my heart and hearing you say that, it's just so cool. 
you see the hand of God in the whole story. So I'm sure, you know, the vision you got on the plane and now looking at, I'm just thinking about all the Instagram posts that have been happening lately of passion 2024 and Mercedes Benz. And then you're looking at all the years past, like, did you ever really think that it would look like this? Like, did you ever think from that vision, it would actually get to be like 60,000 college students? But does that still like blow your mind? It totally blows our mind. It it um <clears throat> it seems almost surreal sometimes when we even are working so difficult, you know, in through difficulties and trying so hard to do what we think God wants us to do. And we're, you know, in the endurance part of, okay, we want to do what God wants, but it's going to take some effort on our part to get that to happen. Even in those moments, sometimes I literally look up and think, how in the world are the two of us? sitting here leading a team full of people toward this beautiful goal. And how has God been so faithful to us to let us do it year after year after year? And every year, you know, we lay it down. We really get to the end of passion every year and say to God, if you're done, we're done. Hmm. Because we didn't ask to hold this to start with. It's your idea. I certainly don't want to hold it and grip it as though it's mine. I want my hands to be open, God. And I just want to say, once again, we do this is yours, God, this your idea. And we are certainly just stewards of the idea. And so if you want to take it and be finished with it, then let us know because we're happy for that to happen. And, you know, so far I feel like God has handed it back to us and said, I'd like to do it again. But every year is sort of a renewable lease. It's, it's yeah. literally like, I, I don't want to hold this unless you want to hold this God because A, it will crush us if it's just us. Yeah. And so I don't want to be a part of holding something like this that you're not actually holding us in. And um, so it's beautiful to watch God do it. And he, he continues to blow our minds. I think the beauty of it is we're never not grateful. When we walk in Mercedes-Benz, it doesn't feel like we have a right to be there. It feels like, how in the world are we here? What in the world is happening that we get to be a part of this? God, thank you for the invitation to stand on the front row of something you're doing like this. Um, and I think that also frees God. It, it frees us to be thankful and to be grateful for what he's doing, but it frees God to continue to pick and use people whose eyes are on him and not what he's doing. Mm. So we're grateful that he's doing what he's doing, but our eyes are not on what he's doing. We're not just wowed by Mercedes. Wow. How amazing. Look at God. We're looking at the God who's doing Mercedes saying, we are following you, Jesus. Wow. If you want to keep doing this, then we'll keep doing this. But unless you do, Um, we're done. So it's it's a pretty interesting process to be a part of, but it really is beautiful in so many ways. I love wow. that. That is so powerful. And, you know, from when the vision happened to when Passion started, which was January 1st, 1997 in Austin, Texas, was a year and a half, obviously, from that March or May. Uh, so a little over a year and a half to just take the first step, really, Sadie. Hmm. So we didn't go out like the next week and go, hey, we're going to do something. We saw a huge picture. It was tens of thousands of people. (laughs) We're going to do that. We just were like, Lord, we're just moving with you. So we finally opened the doors January 1st. 2,000 college students showed up. We were blown away, (laughs) blown away. Mercedes-Benz proportion blown away. That's awesome. Stunned, in awe, humbled. 
we said it was a four-day conference. It was so powerful. At the end of it, we said, um, we might be back next year. We'll let you know. <laughs> we made a decision to come back. The next year, 5,000 college students wow. came. The next year, we had to move out of Austin. We moved to Fort Worth, Texas to an arena there. 11,000 students came. The next year, we said, we need a bigger place. We don't know a venue big enough. We're going to do it in an open field. 40,000 college wow. students came and uh, for a gathering called One Day. And they literally put their faces on the ground and cried out for awakening in their generation. And when that happened, we were thinking that was it. That was the picture. That's what we saw. So in 2001, we didn't do anything. We thought we were done. We wanted to be a fuse, uh, Sadie, and not a monument. We didn't want anybody to bring their kids to say, hey, look at the Passion Monument. I was a part of that. We wanted to be the fuse on the front of an explosion of God's Spirit that touched an entire generation. And when things explode, no one goes and looks for the fuse. Hmm. Uh, so we just wanted to be the fuse. And, you know, after 2001, we're looking at each other and our team like, well, and the Lord just gently said, um, <clears throat> there's a whole new generation of freshmen coming through the door right now. Wow. And we went, oh, my goodness, we got to go reach them. And so we have just had a, re you know, one year renewable yeah. lease with God. And the question <laughs> came up the other day because you have to plan ahead on these things. What about Passion 2025? And I was like, yeah, we're not really there yet. We're not really asking that question yet. We're just trying to follow the Lord. But no, we had no clue that 20-something years later, we'd be sitting here just a few months away from a gathering like we're going to experience at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It's so crazy. So January 1997, wasn't quite born yet. Six months later, June 1997, I was born. And here y'all are, you know, the last 26 years doing this. And then a couple of years ago, you invite me and Christian in to, to have a voice and to you know, get to talk about the vision of this. And I think that is really powerful and says a lot because um, y'all believe in the next generation. And obviously, like you wouldn't be doing passion if, if you didn't. And y'all keep throwing this conference for college students. But not only do y'all do that, but you've actually invited college students, like we were that age whenever y'all invited us in, to have a voice. And I just think that that is like says so much because obviously – we do not know everything there's no. We have so much to learn. We have so much to grow in. We have not, you know, we're always, I don't know that you ever arrive, but we have such a far journey ahead. And yet right where we're at, at what was it? I guess I was probably 19 the first time that I even spoke at Passion Church. You just invited me in where I was at. And I just think that says a lot about who you are and y'all's heart for students. And so can you just speak a little bit? Because I do feel like um, students and this generation you just hear a lot of older people say a lot of negativity over us, right? It's like, oh man, we're lost, we're crazy, we're confused, we're this, we're that. And maybe some of that is true, you know? And and you certainly see that. And there is an aspect to us that that is true. And But there's also a lot of really good too. And there's a lot of really good that y'all are calling out and y'all are pulling out. So can you just encourage uh, this generation a little bit why y'all keep showing up, inviting us in, um, believing in passion in the first place? Because I think that's been something that's very encouraging to Christian and I, and I think it encouraged a lot of people too. Well, I think, you know, Sadie, going back to the heart of it all, 
um, that crossroads of being 19, 20, 21 years old, whether you're in college or whether you're not in college, really doesn't matter. It is the crossroads of life. It's when people are making big, life-shaping, arc-defining decisions. It's when you decide, let's just talk about uh, career. It's typically when you decide, okay, I always thought I was going to do this. Then I kind of thought I was going to do this. But now that I'm 21, I'm kind of zeroing in on the fact that I think this is my lane. I think this is what God is calling me to do. It's typically when you meet the person that you're going to partner with in life. And as Shelley said, be in covenant with in life. It's when you forge those friendships, the ones that you're going to have those people around when your kid graduates from high school. Um, and all those decisions are really set in motion in that little window. And the most important one, I think, is about faith. And most people have a faith crisis at 21 years old. And it's the best thing any of us can do because it's the moment where a lot of us say, wait a minute, am I a Christian because I was born in Louisiana or I was born in Atlanta, Georgia? Uh, what if I was born in another part of the world? Am I a Christian because my parents were Christians? Am I a Christian because I was raised in church? Am I a Christian because I went to a Christian school? Or is this what I believe? And I think that crisis of faith is the best thing that happens to us if it pushes us to investigate Christ for ourselves. And then to come that to that decision, I love my mom. I love my dad. I appreciate my church. I appreciate that I was born in America, but I'm a Christian because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. That's why I'm a follower. Of Jesus. And I love my parents, but this is not their faith. This is my faith. I right. love my youth pastor, but this is not his faith. This is my faith. And if that crossroads is that essential for setting the course of people's lives, then why not stand at that crossroad and say, consider Jesus. Great. And we did that at Baylor for 10 years. And I loved it because we were able to say, hey, I'm not talking about your church. I'm not talking about your denomination. I'm not talking about where you grew up. I'm talking about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You can read the eyewitness accounts of him. What do you think about him and his claims for you, for your life, and for your future? So that's why we're standing on that corner. And yeah, there's negative about this generation. There's negative about my generation. That's right. There's negative so about true. every generation. That's right. The the opportunity in this generation, the positivity, yes. the hunger that is in this generation, the authenticity that they are seeking out. Man, there is such a huge upside in seeing them catch on fire for the Lord. Yeah. And knowing the potential of them changing the world uh, for God is just so exhilarating and to yes. think that we could serve in any small way toward that end is a huge privilege. Absolutely. the truth. It's great. It's so good. I mean, I love that, the potential. And just, I think the thing is, everyone has a chance when there's a hope of Jesus, right? So everyone has the potential mm -hmm. to change the world for God through the right. hope of Jesus. So it doesn't matter how far lost you are listening to this podcast. You have a chance with the hope of Jesus, you know, with the blood of Jesus. It doesn't matter how far gone you are. If you're a senior in college and you've just kind of blown it the past few years, like you have a chance with Jesus. There's grace, there's truth, there's love, there's, there's a future. And so I just think, you know, going into passion even this year, like for me, though, I think about it, it's like, there are people that are going to come, that are going to show up, 
who don't think they have a chance, you know, who think they just blew it, who think this is for everybody else, who's looking around. But like if they get a hold of the truth of the gospel and understand the power of it and receive that in their life, like they will be the one going out and changing the world That's for Jesus. Right. We were so talking great. about this at the youth the other night. That's we were right. like, some of you, you know, you think you, you messed up, you're too far gone, whatever. We're like, you have your whole life ahead of you. Do not believe that lie now. And we were talking about the power of the blood of Jesus. And we were like, you know, people are, might make fun of you and say, you're talking about Jesus. Well, yesterday you were doing this or last week you were doing this or last year you were this. And I was like, and that is the power of your testimony. That what once was dead <laughs> is now right. alive. I was like, think about Jesus. What if people were like, weren't you the dead guy? Like, how cool is it to say yes? And now I'm the alive one. And so that's the same thing wow. spiritually. So it's like, weren't you the dead guy? It's like, yeah. Right. And isn't it so cool that now I'm alive? Like, that's a miracle. I'm walking in that miracle, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And so thinking about that for students, it's like, you can show up the dead person, but you can leave the alive one. And that is uh, miraculous. That's so right. so I'm great. so excited for Passion this year. I get excited every year because I know the change that can happen in people's lives, the hope it can bring. So this year, we are going to be in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium again, which is crazy. And uh, there are still tickets left. Can you speak a little bit about just calling on heaven and what this year is? Uh, what are y'all kind of praying into for this year? Yeah, I feel like for me, you know, we've seen so much revival happening um, in these last days. It feels like um, God is moving. The Spirit is really stirring people up and in the best ways. And I, I feel like when earth gets harder and harder, the move of God becomes more and more apparent. Yeah. And these days are full of a lot of the move of God and we're seeing it. We've we've been a part of things like Asbury and seen what God's done there, but we've seen that happening all over the country. I mean, baptisms, hundreds of people being baptized at a time places. I mean, just beautiful things going on in the kingdom of God in these days. And, and so what a great time for us as his followers, if you are one, to be united in an arena full of people saying, Jesus, you are our hope. You are our only hope. There is no hope apart from you, um, but you are with us and you are in us and you are empowering us to be your ambassadors on earth um, for this season and in this time. And I just think the privilege of that is just crazy that God would unite us in that way. And so when I think about people who are considering coming or thinking like, is this my year? Should I go? I don't know. Is this a time I can figure out how to make it work? I'm like, why wouldn't you be in that place calling on heaven, the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit for your own life to revolutionize yeah. your life? Yes. But to look around at your generation and think of the possibilities of earth with all the people in this arena coming alive in the same way. It's just unreal that we get to do that and to worship him, to tell him that he's worthy of all of our praise. I mean, just such a privilege. So for me, it's like, I want to say to people, why wouldn't you be there? Not why, why are you coming? But more like, why wouldn't you come um, to be a part of something that beautiful? Yeah, I loved it. I was talking to JP, uh, Jonathan Pakluda a few uh, months ago, and I was asking him that question, say, do you live all the way in Texas? Why would a student that lives out in Texas or Oregon or California or Illinois make this long journey to Atlanta, Georgia? And he was like, because there's nothing like it. Yeah. And that's not a, you know, saying that passion is anything. There are big gatherings that happen all around the world. Passion is just a grain of sand of what God's doing yeah. uh, on earth. But there're not many things that that I know about 
on earth that are age specific to Gen Z where tens of thousands of people fill a stadium Mm -hmm. for the fame of Jesus. And it's something that it's just hard to put words around it. And you and Christian, obviously you've been on the journey and helping steer this thing with us. And it's just hard to explain. It's not another conference. It's not just a bigger festival. It's not, oh yeah, it's this and another gathering. No, it is something truly special when heaven and earth collide in a moment like this. And Mm -hmm. when we say call on heaven, I think for me this year, what we're just, what we're saying is God, we're desperate for you. There's nowhere else to look and there's nowhere else to turn and there's nobody else to call on. And obviously when we say call on heaven, heaven is a person. It is a place, but heaven's a person. His name is Jesus. He moves by the power of the Holy Spirit to honor the father. And we're calling on heaven because there's no one else we can turn to in this generation to bring freedom and truth yeah. and deliverance yeah. and purpose and meaning and transformation. And we, we're going to see all of that happen in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And oh, I Jesus. am full of expectation <laughs> so good. for what God's going to do. And yeah, we're going to knock on a lot of doors, Sadie. You know, last time we were in the bins, we knocked on doors like crazy. <laughs> I mean, literally went around America knocking on doors. I showed up at a Bible study at Grand Canyon University on a Tuesday night, <laughs> unannounced, walked into the it's back, great. said, hi, I'm Louie. This is Brad. He's a pastor at our church. Would you mind if we just invited people to Passion? And they're like, come on. All right. And so we walked into this Bible study, didn't know if anybody would even know who we were or ever cared about Passion and just said, hi, everybody. If we could just take the last five minutes. We are um, part of a movement called Passion and we'd like to invite you know, the antelopes from Grand Canyon University <laughs> to come and be a part. And so we are going to knock on a lot of doors this year and do a lot of inviting. But I would just encourage the, whoa, that's good podcast family. Mm-hmm. Come. Uh, Jonathan said at the end of our conversation, he said, Louie, let's all go. And I went, oh, my gosh, that's the new banner over Mercedes Benz. Let's, let's all, all go. go. But I would love it if you would not only go, but if you would bring a tribe with you, bring, yeah. the, bring the least likely person or the most likely person good. and watch what God will do. That's so good. Let's all go. I love it so much. I, I love that call on heaven. I've been reading Exodus and when God shows up to Moses and he's like, I heard your people's cry, you know, I heard your people's call and he showed wow. up and. That just made me so excited because I was like, God responds to that. You know, He responds to that cry of the people. And thinking about that many people calling on heaven, crying out to God, like He responds to that. That's so exciting. And well, that's good, fam. I know y'all show up. I've seen y'all show up. Y'all show up week after week to listen to this podcast. And like Louis said, invite everyone, invite the most likely, the least likely. One of my best friends now was the least likely person to go to Passion a few years ago. She got invited. She went. Her life radically changed for Jesus. And um, now she's one of my very best friends. And I just, I love that. She was the least likely. And now she's on fire leading worship at our church, actually. So, so powerful what can happen in that room. You all want to be there. Um, Lou and Shelly, thank y'all for leading the charge. Thank y'all for uh, y'all's faithfulness over the many years that y'all have just believed in this and trusted God with it. Thank y'all in a marriage, putting God first and the impact it's made on 
all of our lives. I know we could probably, if we could turn the mic on to everyone listening, y'all would have a, a lot more thank yous and a lot of hugs. But uh, on behalf of everyone, thank y'all. And I'm excited for this year. I can't wait. And I'm grateful to get to do it alongside of y'all. We love you, Sadie. Love you. And Christian, thank you for being a part, Sadie. Thanks for picking up passion and carrying it with us yes. and not just coming and speaking, but actually helping lead and shape what happens. There's something special, obviously, on your life. And you and Christian um, have been a really big part of what God's done uh, in the journey these last few years. So thanks for having us on today. Loved it. Loved it. Incredible. Thank you. Yes, we love you guys. Thank you all.